We start with a question. We just uh, sung about uh, being more than conquerors. Right? Now, is there anything in this world then which can conquer us? What is there that can conquer us? What is there what can actually cause us to miss out on our salvation, to miss out on eternal life? What is that? If the Bible says you're more than conquerors, how come many people do not keep on following the Lord? What happened? What's gone wrong? Okay. Now we see here in Philippians chapter 1 verse 21. The Apostle Paul is talking about uh, some interesting stuff there. And he says, For me, to life, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Interesting thing to say, isn't it? He said, uh, I'm going to die, I'm going to be okay. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor, yet what I shall choose, I would not. So it sort of seems to be that he can make a choice to live or to die. That's what it seems to say there. You have a choice. All right? For I am straight betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. Okay? So he's got this, 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 this interesting thing in his mind, two things fighting with one another. And he's saying, look, I don't mind dying. That's going to be good. But it's better if I stay around for you a little bit. All right? And having this confidence, in verse 25, I know that I shall abide and continue with you for your furtherance or for your help or for your, op- your training and joy of faith, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. So he's saying, look, I've got a job to do and I'm going to do that. I don't mind dying, but I'm going to hang around a bit for you. For you. It's good for you. Okay? So for many years, brothers and sisters, uh, I've gone to funerals, right? And uh, you hear preachers talking about uh, this person who is now dead, that this person has been victorious. And I used to have this idea from victorious, he's dead. That doesn't sound very victorious. You know what I'm saying? You understand what I'm talking about here? Right, sort of having this, this idea that victorious is getting healings and having miracles, right? And then there's somebody down sitting in a coffin there, ready to be put in the ground. And people say, well, he's now, well, that's a victory. He said, that's a victory? Really? What are you talking about? Right? Interesting dilemma, isn't it? So there we go. We preach on healings, but he's dead. How is that victorious? Surely, a healing is a victory. Amen? True in it, right? And dying is defeat. That's the way you think about it in the world. Okay? And if dying is not a defeat, what is? If dying is not defeating you, what can defeat you? What can overcome you? Okay? Interesting. So there must be a, a way of looking at death or dying, which is not maybe directly obvious in this world, which is 
totally unknown really in this world. And Paul writes in verse 22 again. Just have a look at it again there. He said, what I shall choose, I would not. I don't know what I'm going to choose. Question is, is there a choice? Well, seems to be. Seems to be. And in verse 23, I said, I'm just sitting between these two possibilities. What shall I go for? Now, at that point in time, you read the history from the Apostle Paul, you find that he was uh, under a lot of pressure. He was in jail, he was caught, and there was all sort of stuff going on. So uh, for him to actually get out of all that and get mobile again was quite a job. He could easily have given up. And maybe that's what he was talking about. Right? Okay, I'm just going to give up now. Right? Okay, let it go. Right? Or, in verse 24, he says, For to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And that is what it's all about. This is the key to everything. The key to having a victory, even when it looks like a defeat, right, is because it's more needful for you to be around. It's more needful for me to be around. It's more needful for anybody to be around when you are doing the the job for the Lord. That is the difference. That is the key. And it's talking about not being there for you, but for the other person. That's what Jesus Christ was. He did exactly the same, of course. This is the key. If I can be alive, I can serve God, I can serve the church. So simply, it doesn't matter. Life is good for the brothers and sisters. That is good because then I can be with Christ. I'm not going to die in a hurry, by the way. I'm not planning to, so don't get worried about it. All right? So you think about this, right? So, and I just quote you a scripture in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 55. It said, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? He's talking about this new life, this new body, how this mortal body is going to be replaced with an immortal body, right? And uh, he's looking at the long term, the great big picture, right? He said, there is no victory in the grave. So, and if you look at it, and you think about it, just thinking back on what I just said about this um, it's more needful for you. It is fueled by love. By love. Love for God. Love for His Son, Jesus Christ. Love for the brothers and sisters. And the desire to serve. And I can tell you right now that this has kept me alive. In 2013, when I was in a heart attack in Australia, and I was there waiting for an operation. I was at peace. I wouldn't mind dying. But I knew I had to hang out for a bit longer. Right? And that is what it is. You have to have this desire to serve God, to serve the church, to serve the brothers and sisters. Right? Last Sunday, I was observing the fellowship between the two meetings. I was here. Right? He had the sister here was written off really a few, a few months ago. We're going to die, that's what the doctor said. Right, we were also getting ready for the funeral, organizing it. I was anyway, just getting all the papers out of what, what we're going to do. Right, as he was here last Sunday, and between the meetings, there was people there, gathering around her, and I thought, wow, this is what it's all about. And I tell you right now, there was a few corona rules being breached. 
but boy, it was fun. I saw very, very happy, happy people, right? And we had to actually remind people to uh, get lost so we could clean up for the next session, right? But that's a good way to have it. And even yesterday night in Dordrecht, people didn't want to go home. That's what it's all about, brothers and sisters. Serving the Lord, serving the church, being there for somebody, right? Interesting, fantastic atmosphere, right? So we have this stuff going on, of course, you know, what people sort of say, think about social media as being the answer to everything. Not really. I've got an article at home, and it's titled, 500 friends and still be lonesome. Right? And so how people try to uh, have 500 friends and 600 friends and 1,000 friends, and they don't have any of them. Really? That's not the answer with the gospel. The gospel is face-to-face. That's the way it works. Right? Human beings are not digital beings. Right? We have flesh and blood. We've got emotions, right? We're not digital beings. What God has created in us is far more complicated than what the greatest scientist and the greatest IT person can ever create. They have this virtual reality. You know what? It's nothing compared to what's really there in you and me. Created as human beings in the image of God. My computer is not created in the image of God. I can tell you that right now. And yours is not either. Right? So that's the way it works. So there is never a defeat possible for God. Is there ever a defeat possible for you and me? Can we ever be defeated by anything? Let's have a look. Let's go to Revelation chapter 2. What can defeat us? What can have a victory over us? What do you have to watch out for? Revelation chapter 2, verse 1. Now we know, of course, that Revelation chapter 2 and 3 are uh, is written about 70 AD, about 30 years after Jesus Christ went into heaven and poured out the Holy Spirit. And only 30 years after, there is not very much left anymore for what Jesus actually started to do. A lot of stuff had already gone wrong. Right? And we read that in verse 1, and the angel of the church of Ephesus, right? The, ch- the angel means the leader or the pastor or the teacher. These things that he does hold of the seven stars in his right hand for walking in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. There's a lot of stuff in there, by the way. He says, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience, and thou that canst not bear them with their evil, and hast tried them which say they are apostles, and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne and hast patience, and for my namesake had labored and has not fainted, nevertheless. But nevertheless, I have sought against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember therefore from us he had fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come to thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. So here is an interesting sort of thing to see, brothers and sisters. What can defeat us, what can rob us of the victory, is losing our first love. Losing our first love. Right? Now, I tell you right now, we all have 
can remember things that happened to us when we first came to the Lord. We have to think back. Think back, right? When you first got baptized and received the Holy Spirit. I'm sure. Phoenix for easier. Amen. Witnessing was easier. Talking to people. Right? Enthusiastic. All over the place. How do you used to call me every couple of days when he was in the Navy. And he called me and he called this person and that person and this person and that person and this person and that person. The first love. We've all had that. Right? There you go. Miracles. Prayer worked miraculously. Letty had a car. It was a useless car. Was, and she started with prayers. He didn't need his keys. He prayed all for us. You know, sort of thing. A little old Daihatsu. Two, two, three. We actually made the, the June buggy out of it later. We cut it off and just put the, 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 back, the back wheels on the front. And, uh, and then, uh, right? Interesting. But then, you go on in the Lord. You got people around you. And you've got to discover that your brother and sister are not perfect yet. Who has discovered that? Who hasn't discovered, who hasn't discovered that yet? You're going to discover it tomorrow. That's a prophecy. Right? So we've got to see our brothers and sisters. Right? They're not perfect. And resentment might come in. This person is always on my back. Always saying this. You kids, Pastor John used to say, if I'm ever going to have a problem with you, it's going to be about your kids. I was in Adelaide a few years ago at a convention, and we, had, we didn't, didn't know anybody, everybody anymore. We were sitting in the airport flying back to Holland, and we had a couple sitting next to us, and we knew them. Right? And uh, said, hey, how are you going? And Nettie said, wasn't the convention fantastic? Well, the convention there, you see. And she said, oh, we don't go here anymore. The lady. Remember? No gongs anymore. Oh, what happened? Ah, uh, our children were so badly treated. Horrible. And the funny thing is, I had seen the children at the convention. They were there. The kids were there, but the parents didn't come anymore. Amazing. Resentment. That is going to be one of your killers. You're going to have a root of bitterness growing up. And roots of bitterness, they grow incredibly fast. What is the fastest growing onkruid? How do you call it? Uh, weeds. What's the fastest growing weeds? Who knows? Nobody gave me an answer on that one. I don't know why. He wrote, it's faster than the, than the fastest growing weed. Right? There we go. Right? More than 90% of people leaving the fellowship go for this reason. Because somebody has offended them. Now I can tell you right now, one of your brothers and sisters, some of them are have a good heart, but they are very stupid about saying something. They are just incredibly bleh. But that's not necessarily a bad person, just a dumb person. Right? Remember that for the next time. It's important to see, right? And that is defeat. You'll get defeated by that sort of stuff. We are more than conquerors, on this one as well, oh, oh. 90% are not. Okay? Watch out for it. So we have to concentrate on keeping this love alive even for the ugly ones. And the nasty ones. Okay? Important. If we don't, we will lose the lot. And it's also connected to love and loving God. 
Do we trust God? Do we trust God 100% of all the times? Even if we are corrected. Is God allowed to correct me? Yes, he is. I had to learn that very early in the piece. You probably all know that I'm a little bit allergic for authority. Right? But I learned to understand that God is bigger than me and he's allowed to correct me. Right? Very, very simple. Who's doing the correction? We don't get to choose our correctors. They just jump up in front of you. Bonk. Interesting. This one, okay. The other one, aha. Uh -huh. Well, take it all. If the shoe fits, wear it. Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12. You're going to look at another thing that can actually defeat you as well. Two things. Hebrews 12, of course, talk, talk, is talking about the Lord correcting us and chastening us. And it's interesting see that in verse 6, Hebrews 12, verse 6. Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth it, and scourgeth every son whom he received. That doesn't sound very nice, does it? It sounds like uh, scourging. That's something like uh, you get that somebody takes a whip to you. Ow! Right? And if you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. What son is there whom the father chasteneth not? We just have to realize, brothers and sisters, I've got it to keep steep English here, we have to realize, brothers and sisters, that we are easy to say we're not perfect yet. We always say that, don't we? I'm not perfect. But what we really mean, I've got an excuse for not being perfect. That's what we're really saying, aren't we? Hopefully we're saying, really, you're not perfect. Right, that's what we're really saying. Right, so there we go. If you're without this correction, then you're bastards that says that goodness gracious me. What a horrible word, isn't it? So furthermore, in verse 9, we had fathers of our flesh, we had our fathers. My, my father wasn't really that much in, in for the, the big stick, but um, he was uh, okay that way. Yeah, my mother had my mother was more with the with the matterklopper. We know what a matterklopper is. Huh? There's all of these these these, these funny wonderful things to have Take the dust out of the out of the, the, the out of the rocks, yeah. Similar would with then. <laughs> not that not that often. I was I was a good boy, so and, and in verse ten, of course, you know the parents will correct the children, of course. And in verse eleven, it's never gonna be a lot of fun, is it? Never gonna be a lot of fun. But afterwards the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Righteousness means you get a better judgment. You're going to be able to see what's right and what's wrong. Right? And to them it's exercised thereby. So you're exercised by it. It's your uh, sports school, training school. You go there to be the bodily training. Wherefore lift up the hands with hang down and the feeble knees. Who has actually ever had this idea that, oh, these feeble knees of mine? Nobody? I have. Sometimes I, you know, you feel like, Lord, why do I need to be strong all the time? Can't I be a bit miserable every now and again? <laughs> right? Interesting. 
make straight path for your feet, lest that which slain be turned out of the way, and the other be healed. Fall on peace with all men. Also the ones who are not that nice maybe to you. Alright? And holiness without which no man shall see the Lord, looking diligently, lest any man follow the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. And it goes further on about Esau, and Esau repentance. That's an interesting word, Esau repentance. That means people are sometimes sorry, not for what they've done, but for the other results are of what they've done. The consequences. People get very repentant sometimes and they find out what actually is now the result of what they've done wrong. But that's never going to work. And you have to realize that also, brothers, if you actually have contact with people who don't want to come here anymore, right? if they do not really recognize that they have done something wrong, then they can never come back properly and it can never work. There has to be an acknowledgement, a responsibility taken for, I have messed up. Never mind what anybody else has done, it's your responsibility, right? So there's a saying in English, who knows this saying? Misery needs company. Who knows this saying? Misery is company. And you'll find that people, when they get miserable because they've gone away, they're not something stupid, they're going to talk to you, they're going to try to make contact. They need company. And you know what? They're going to make you miserable too. Because if you're happy, they won't contact you anymore. If you're unhappy and they're miserable, they don't like that. They look at other people who are miserable too, or make them miserable. So watch out for that. These things will defeat you. Tying things a bit more together. Doubts is another one. Let's go to First John chapter 4. Doubts. That's another thing that can defeat you. There's two things. There's root of bitterness and there is doubt. Alright? And doubt is the enemy of love. They cannot exist together. First John chapter 4 verse 16. Doubt and love cannot exist together. At the same time, in one person, over a longer period, it grows. It could be happening maybe 10%, 90%, or 80, 20, or uh, 70, 30, but it will always end up 100% zero, one way or the other. Once you start going all the way of doubts, you're going to end up either overcoming it or being overcome by it. That's the way it works, right? So how do we go 100% the right way? How are we going to do that? First John chapter 4, verse 16. And we have known, experience, that means, and known, that means I've experienced that, that's my experience, and believed the love that God had to us, God is love, and he that dwelleth in love, dwelleth in God, and God in him. Here is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in the world. That word judgment, the Greek word, is K-R-I-S-I-S. Crisis. Literally. Not with a C, but with a K. That word, day of judgment, the judgment is crisis. The day of a crisis. Whatever that is. Right? That it is. Boldness in the day of judgment. Or confidence. Because as he is, so are we in this world. Brothers and sisters, 
That is fantastic stuff. There is no fear in love. A perfect love casts out fear because fear, fear has torment. He that fear it is not by perfect in love. We love him because he loved us first. Amen. Amen. We love him because he loved us first. So the day of judgment, the day of a crisis, right? In Proverbs 24 verse 10, it says, If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. Look it up. Just have a look at it if you like. Write it down. Make a note of it. Proverbs 24 verse 10. If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. So something comes against you, and something really worries you, you either overcome it as soon as possible, or you're going to go under. Feigning the day of the first street, our strength is small. Ultimately, love and trust are closely connected. There is no way you can trust your wife or your husband if you don't love them. And the other way around as well. You cannot love them if you can't trust them. Not on the long run. You might start off maybe a little bit with, oh, maybe this, maybe that, maybe something else. But in the end, you will end up either losing it totally or overcoming it totally. And that is your fellowship in the Lord. So living and staying alive in this body is victory. Dying in Christ is victory. Simple. Very, 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 very beautiful, right? And it's up to you to actually do the one or the other. Losing your love, whichever way that is visible, whether you start hating somebody, whether you have a little bitterness, or whether you don't trust them anymore, that's losing your love, is defeat. So, important. So, how do you fix this? You're just going to learn to look at your Bible, you've got to teach yourself, you've got to discipline yourself, Look in your Bible and get more and more and more understanding and appreciation how great God is, what God has done for you and me, how he gave his son, how his son went all the way. This is one other thing I just want to talk about here. Let's go to Lucas 22. So, try to tie it all together a bit more. If it is, is it a disaster, is it really bad if you get scared? Sometimes. Or if you get shocked by something, is that a real disaster? Not yet. Not yet, but it could become one. And Jesus gives a perfect answer as well. And just before his crucifixion, in verse 41 of Lucas 22, Luke 22, and there's Jesus Christ, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and it says, and he was withdrawn from them about the stones, stone cast and kneeled down and prayed. So Jesus then is looking to die. He's looking to die the most horrible death ever. And he's saying, Father, if thou willing be removed the scrub from me, nevertheless not my will, but thine will be done. So he's scared. And the Bible says he was sweating Blood, literally. That's pretty drastic, isn't it? Had repeated an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. So it was a, somebody was coming to help him. An angel came and helped him. He was scared. Right? 
en being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. There we go. If you go to Mark chapter 14, it says a little bit more there, Mark chapter 14, verse 41. And the disciples were falling asleep, of course, as we know, and he was really alone, apart from this angel coming to help him. And in Mark chapter 14, verse 41, and he's coming the third time by his disciples, and said to them, Sleep on now, and take your rest, it is enough. The hour is come. And from that point onwards, there is no record whatsoever that Jesus Christ was scared anymore. From that point onwards, he's going through all the stuff that built his pilot, and his, all these people talking to him, and he's smiting him, and putting a throne and a crown on, and all this stuff going on, and he's not scared anymore. Right? He experienced the love of God. He made it work in his life. Right? And he had overcome. And why is it overcome? He said, the hour has come. And when he's hanging on the cross, he said, it is finished. I've done the job. So you and me, brothers and sisters, we have to really, really trust the Lord. If you love the Lord, you trust the Lord. And there's a lot of stuff going on right now, but there's all sorts of stuff going on in this world with all this corona rubbish, right? And you can talk about and think about and this and this and this and that and that. It's all over the place, right? I rather trust God, right? I trust God because the politicians have one thing today and another thing tomorrow, right? And there's all sorts of stuff going on, brothers and sisters, and it all is pretty scary. So is it bad to be scary? No. But don't stay scary. Don't stay scared. Overcome. And trust the Lord. That is what we need to do. The Lord is much more reliable than all the stuff that's going on around the place. Right? The hour has come. So never was there anybody alive anymore who's taken more upon, upon himself or a heavier load upon himself or a more difficult task than Jesus Christ. So there we go. Good example. After, after the agony, the prayer, the angel supported him, right? And I look around here today and I wonder how many supporting angels there are here tonight. Hello, supporting angels. Right? Messengers, right? He was motivated by love. That's what made him go through with all this difficult stuff. Motivated with love. And because of that, there was no fear left in him anymore at all. So that's how we stand in this life as well, brothers and sisters. Fantastic. We just read in First John chapter 4, verse 19, we love him because he first loved us. His love for us, the end of his fear. Right? Our love for him and for his work, the end of our fears. Very important. I repeat it to you. His love for us, Jesus Christ's love for us, the end of his fear. All right? Our love for him and for his work, the end of our fears. Fantastic. So living or dying in Christ, it's a victory. Only possible to have this victory both ways, through love and trust in him. All right? And the only thing that can defeat us, we have two things mentioned here, is one of those bitterness stuff, and the other one is 
at the God-fearing things. If you look at the history on there from the early church, I've got the whole stuff written down by Pastor Warren from what actually happened after the book of Acts. He's done a lot of history and a lot of research. If you wanted to, you send you a copy of it. It's a long, long, long document. Because in history, there's a lot of stuff down all over the place. What actually happened to Peter and John and the apostles, right? And how they sort of went all around, over and what happened there and they went there and they went there. And you know what? That was a difficult time. The early church, the Emperor Nero, what he did to the church. And how people actually really, really had to learn what love and victory is. We got it easy. We got it easy. All right? But also that gives a responsibility as well because that gives us more possibilities to actually spread it around as well. The last days, revival of the gospel. So overcome your fears by letting your love grow. Overcome your bitterness by letting your love grow as well. Simple, effective. And all the people said, Amen.